This episode of the Good Ship Brothership is brought to you by the Good Ship Brothership. For real, guys, we have no sponsors. Never had. What? You can't say that. You're gonna have to redact that. Childhood is when you idolize Batman. Adulthood is when you realize Jesus is expensive. <laughs> <laughs> it is fairly expensive. Uh, but you, you know what's also expensive? Real estate. True. No, I was going to say um, uh, constipation. <clears throat> I know you know about this, but I was I was horrifically constipated for... Is this something we need to talk about? Yeah, for a good part of the week. And then I, I took a, a stool softener... And I pooped mm-hmm. like seven times in the space of an hour, and it made me late for work. S- and I just, I, I don't know. So, what it, have you been playing and watching and listening to lately and reading? Well, I, I haven't been doing much because I've been in the bathroom so much of the time because I couldn't stop pooping for like... I've actually watched a couple movies that I've really enjoyed, um... I watched I watched the lighthouse actually, yeah. and my my stomach was so upset during it that I farted continuously <laughs> through the through the whole movie. And uh, Willem Dafoe's character farts in that movie too. Like he's he's this kind of crusty old sailor, and he's like farting. And I'm sitting there on the couch, like, was that the movie? Was it me? You know, I don't know. Yeah, so I watched. Uh... Fury, which is a movie about a tank squadron towards the end of World War II. That's that's how I would also describe my bowel movements lately. Um, it Fury. was it was pretty good. Could have been better. A stool um, will do that to you. I, I thought that it just didn't. It wasn't really coherent. Um, a little bit. I found the narrative a little bit muddy. Um, what happened at the end of that movie again? I just I think I missed it. I think I was in the bathroom. I don't remember. Uh Okay. Like uh, any, okay. Uh, but okay. can you not can you not at least acknowledge that my my recent health struggles, which have been particularly unpleasant, do have a comedic redemption to them. I'm just not sure this show is the best place for that. How is it not the best place for that? We is have the, a lot of children that listen to this show jason this show is literally a cry for help please help us yeah and so like my health issues we're gonna start a a gofundme to pay for an entire new stomach now he's stool hardener yeah (laughs) (laughs) i really hope i don't okay that would be that would be just (sighs) anyway carrot or something Uh, well i've heard about those it doesn't doesn't always yeah so jason what have you been let's i can't believe you've dragged the show down i'm to where i'm to this low meridian the show is i'm okay with the show being bad i just don't want to take all the blame for it if this is gonna be a disaster artist scenario you're james and i'm franco i want to take (laughs) wow I believe you're referring to the movie <laughs> The Disaster Artist. That's what I said. You said The Disaster Scenario. <laughs> and you're James and I'm Franco? <laughs> implying we're the same person? 
some sort yeah. of weird transmutation where we get. I'm just saying, if this can show you is... imagine how terrible it would be if we got like somehow sucked into the same body, <laughs> in the same body. Yeah, I feel like that's imagine? what's happened with both of us. That's like a '90s. I don't think like there would be any sitcom. perceptible difference. No, there'd be a difference. Yeah, because you smell a lot worse than I do generally. But if so, what the smell would change? Things would definitely change. Yeah, like like weird stuff would probably change. Sweating. Neither of us are very sweaty though. Not right now. Uh, I have. This is a bad start to the show. (laughs) This is like five minutes. You're talking about smell. You're talking about sweat, and you're talking about stool softener. And I just don't think that that. Yeah, that's why all our sponsorships were. Maybe we'd be able to get like Barack Obama to sponsor us if he'd stop talking about this. Yeah. Cuz <clears throat> Michelle, I will say that pizza is a vegetable if you pay me enough. Um I've I've been watching a couple interesting movies lately. Let's actually let's talk hey, okay. hey let's talk about let's talk about some All stuff. Right. I uh like I like I mentioned to you earlier, I watched Donnie Brasco. Very it's a it's a rock solid like mob mob movie italian mob mm-hmm. movie starring uh al pacino of course as you do you're making a mob movie you go for either de niro or pacino or liotta maybe and uh Isn't johnny depp no it could be either okay or. okay and uh johnny depp and it's the story of mm-hmm. of uh donnie brasco <clears throat> which was the undercover name of an fbi agent who got super high up in the mob did very very well. This is true, true story, and brought down like a significant portion of the New York syndicate or whatever. Huh. So it was, it was quite interesting. Isn't it? it was pretty interesting. I think it's very very fictionalized though. Yeah. Um, but uh, I watched that, and I watched the new Robert Eggers movie, The Lighthouse, with uh, Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson. Did he actually fart in that movie? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I'm I'm okay. serious. And I was like, I don't. Just, we don't need to go back. I was just curious. I was a hovercraft. Yeah. Okay. And uh, and so <laughs> I, what? Nothing. You just enjoy that? No. You you enjoy my something humor, else. don't you? I was yeah. thinking about okay. something else. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> you're thinking about me trying to like reach for the remote and like drifting all over the couch. <laughs> um, but that that movie is the weirdest thing I've ever seen that David Lynch didn't direct. Really? Yes. Like, it was weirder than Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? Yeah, for sure. that's a pretty weird movie. It's weird, but, like, it has... It has... Oh, that movie's beautiful. It's a great movie. Beautiful coherence, wonderful. We gotta talk about that Didn't we talk about it? Oh, boy. Probably. I'm going to look it up. I think well, we probably t- did. I'm going to look it up. I'm, I think we most likely I think we did. did. Oh, my goodness. That movie reduces me to tears every time. I've I only watch watched it. it once. Oh, it's so... It's such a wonderful movie. But, uh, yeah, so I watched The Lighthouse. You you got to watch it, too. Um, it's very weird. Like, oh, excuse me. I, I really don't know exactly how to... Do, okay, so so a young man and an old man arrive at this lighthouse right the old man is the lighthouse keeper the young man is his apprentice Mm -hmm. and so they set up there for their four week stay during which 
This young man will be shown the ropes of tending the lighthouse with this old guy. But soon after they arrive there, it's clear that the old guy has no real intention of letting his apprentice do anything. He's relegated to uh, swabbing floors and doing dishes and that sort of thing while this old man tends the light. And that's like his job. He's like, I tend the light. Mm -hmm. And... uh, and it just slowly devolves into complete madness. I gotta watch it. It sounds interesting. I it really like is. Willem Dafoe. The, it is shot in an almost square aspect ratio. Yeah. Which is very interesting. Beautiful. Like four by three? Or um, I can't remember exactly what it is. It's it's close to that, hmm. honestly. But uh, uh, the environment is beautiful. Did I tell you that they filmed in Nova Scotia? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which is super cool. Kind of neat. And uh, they constructed a 70-foot-tall lighthouse. They wow. built everything for mm-hmm. it. And uh, it, it just it looks phenomenal. And the, the, the use of period-correct language is super, super cool. Don't get into like it too much, 1890s. though, in case we talk about no, it. No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not going to get too far into so it. pretty far I, the into only, it. No. The only thing I'm, I will say more is that... Uh, Willem Dafoe could voice act uh, Mr. Krabs. Yeah, definitely. I could see it. Yeah. Um, in terms of music, I mean, I, I don't, I don't really know what I've been listening to. I haven't been listening to a ton of music apart from Johnny Cash's At Folsom Prison, which we're talking about next episode. Yep. That's Previous correct. episode. I don't know. Whatever. We're talking about it tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh. I might just leave mine for the next episode. That could be a nice flow, eh? Yeah. Because like I'm still. Uh, I do want to point out though, last year oh. on on your birthday, the Good Ship Brothership episode 34, the Slackers <laughs> and Eternal Sunshine and Spotless. Oh mind, right, yeah. That one actually out. did really well uh, for I some weird so. reason. That one trafficked really highly. And we're like, this is like a ska band and a and 90s a, a 90s indie movie. Yeah. Why are so many people listening to this episode? A good time. Some people used to care about what we had to say. Yeah. Anyway, um, so today we are talking about the Killing Joke, the Batman comic. But first, I'm gonna, you know, I'm just gonna do that. Just give her, bud. I'm, I am playing so many instruments at once right now. I never knew that you could play the juice harp with your hair. I'm going to ignore that so that maybe somebody will find that funny. The colors are so exquisite in this. You know that it's a recoloring? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've read every word in that thing. <laughs> this this is just agonizing. <laughs> I can't believe we're still doing this. I know. I can't believe that's that music still... Okay. You're aboard the Good Ship Brothership. It's the only arts podcast that covers film, music, gaming, and literature, and uh, traffic light defects. I'm Grant, and this is my brother, Jason. Good evening. Jason, what are we talking about again today? Today we are talking about The Killing Joke, which is a Batman graphic novel, I would call it. This is the first graphic novel that we're talking about. Um... Very oh. much so out of our wheelhouse. Yeah. Uh, let me let me just 
get a little uh, context here from Wikipedia. Batman The Killing Joke is a 1988 DC Comics one-shot graphic novel featuring the characters Batman and Joker, written by Alan Moore and illustrated by Brian Bolland. The Killing Joke provides an origin story for the supervillain The Joker, loosely adapted from the 1951 story arc The Man Behind the Red Hood. The Joker's origin is presented via flashback while simultaneously depicting his attempt to drive Jim Gordon insane and Batman's desperate attempt to stop him. Uh, this is a, yeah. a graphic novel illustrated by Brian Boland, as you said. It originally came out in 1988. However, the hardcover... Can you hear those pages? Soundwaves say they can. The hardcover version that we have here is, I think, a 2008 edition, which was recolored by Brian Boland since it was originally col- colored by somebody else. And he said he also moved a few very subtle lines around compared to the yeah. new one. Since since when he redid this, he had the benefit of computer. But apparently only, like, a super fan could really spot the difference. I certainly can't. Many, many critics... I'm just going to quickly... Mm-hmm. Read this. Many critics consider the graphic novel to be the definitive Joker story and one of the best Batman stories ever published. The comic won the Eisner Award for Best Graphic Album. That's a weird title. Mm-hmm. Title in '89 uh, and appeared on the New York Times bestseller list in May 2009. That's awesome. Which I think would be attributed to the Christopher Nolan movies because well, i believe this, they, came, this came out then the redone version yeah and i believe they drew a massive amount of, illust- of illustration oh my goodness of inspiration mm-hmm. from this book and then also i think the long halloween which i also own yeah um but yeah this is um this is our first time branching out into something like this my previous experience with graphic novels and comic books and whatever is pretty much limited to bone um which is fantastic which is fantastic like really good i had a dragon ball z phase when i was younger those are great and and for me i'm currently uh working on a little novel of my own a little draft um and it's kind of superhero themed in a way so i've actually been purchasing some of these more critically acclaimed i guess some of the more yeah, some of the more seminal graphic novels, superhero literature, and kind of getting into them myself and trying to trying to understand the attraction with them. Like, how do you feel the reading experience is for a graphic novel? Because for me, it's a struggle. Yes, very much. I'll, quite often, I'll go through a few panels, and then I kind of have to rewind a little bit because I'm like, what happened? Yeah, because do you just do you just read the... My problem is I just read the text and, like, skip over the illustrations. I need to slow down and, like, really take it in, you know? Yeah. And when you take it in, there's such an incredible amount of detail in all of these. It's it's crazy when you think about the fact that somebody made this full piece of art and then they did it, like, five to ten times per page. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. You know? You did an entire, like, illustration that could be framed or on a poster or something and then you did it many times over per page for probably like 50 to 100 pages i don't know how big this is something like that yeah um, 50 to 100 yeah somewhere in there <laughs> good est- you're so good at estimating thank you stuff. um 
Yeah, yeah, and and the the comic book just as a as a format is so weird to me. Mm-hmm. Like it's really it really I I've never really understood the appeal. I guess I mean I I do and I don't. It gives you less information than a movie, but more information than a book. Well, kind of thing in I terms don't know. in terms of you don't see what happened all the time because sometimes there's. A couple seconds between panels, sort of. Thing. I guess. I guess it's more cinematic than a traditional book yeah. in the sense that it is literally framed. Mm-hmm. Like there are framed shots, and so it can be more cinematic in that way. For me, for me, and I'm gonna say objectively, I think literature is the most wide open. Oh, definitely. Uh, artistic medium in terms of, in terms of just possibilities mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. So. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's like a more powerful medium. It's an interesting hybrid between film and literature. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk for this one specifically. I love the way they frame a lot of these illustrations. Yeah. And you have your ability to creatively use lighting and things like that because you're not constrained to what actually exists. You know. Yeah. And you can be more dramatic, and they are. But it's not super over the top or it's never abstract kind of thing. But the way they play with dark and light reminds me a lot of chiaroscuro, which is like a renaissance technique of having like mostly dark and light. And we see that especially in Batman's conversations with the Joker. I find that really cool and really compelling. So I will say um, Bone, the Bone comics, the Bone Mm -hmm. series. For those of you who aren't familiar... um, it's this winding kind of fantasy narrative about this little, these little, I mean, they kind of look like bones, don't they? I guess. These little white creatures who are very cute and very personable and very charming little guys. And they go on this, what ends up being this big winding adventure. Like an epic. Like an epic, epic adventure. And it is, they are really superb. We should do an episode on all of them or maybe break it into a few parts or yeah, something. Yeah, we should. Um, the bone... Graphic novels are probably, oh, they're definitely the ones I have the biggest uh, n- nostalgia mm-hmm. spot for Me in, my, in my heart. But I will say something about this specific, about the killing joke, which to me is absent from Bone. And that is the incredible, consistent quality of the illustrations in this book. They are fantastic. No matter how small a character is, their proportions are always fantastic. They always they always look right. Sometimes in a graphic novel and bone, you know, I'm sure you can probably think of a couple times if you if mm-hmm. you cast your mind back but it where it looks weird. Somebody's face just looks off yeah. or kinda kinda squished or something like and that. To, to be fair, bone is a bit more of a sketchy style than this is. It is, but like this this drawing style and we should say for people listening who might not know, both of us have taken drawing classes. Yeah, and I still I still draw from time to time. I was never a good uh, sketcher or anything like that, but I think my all of my photography gives me a big appreciation for any of the visual arts, which yeah. is why I like movies so much too. Yeah, but the 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 illustration in here, and like you're saying earlier before we had the mic on, I think the coloring. Yeah. Th- this this comic, this this graphic novel is visually very 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 appealing. Now, what what did you think of the characters? The characters of Joker, of Batman, of Lieutenant Gordon, Barbara, his daughter. Did you did you think that they were 
well realized. I think Batman and Joker are basically tropes at this point, or archety- archetypes is a better way to put it. Yeah. Um, I thought they did a good job exploring um, the relationship between Batman and Joker and how they're just kind of always locked in this game of cat and mouse that the whole basically the whole premise of it is it begins with batman going to talk to the joker because batman has come to the conclusion that either they have to resolve their relationship now or one of them is gonna kill the other yeah um and and i thought that was interesting but i'm not sure that there's a lot of range you can have with batman and joker and that's the one thing that's kind of the enemy of a great superhero is when you have this much content out about them there's not a lot of new ground that can be explored without like a radical reinvention of the character you know and and this is well done but i don't think it really changed my perception of anyone in terms of commissioner gordon first of all what one of my problems with this book like visually and maybe he's a lot of steroids i don't know why is commissioner gordon so ripped if he's like 65 the dude is like an Adonis. I dude, I don't know. Like he's old. Is that is that like a an issue you'd have if you saw the a movie? You just kind of assume. Well, although I I guess the graphic novel is kind of more of an arbiter of what is gritty and for the yeah. people, and it's more of a guerrilla form of cinema. I guess this guy's sixty five and he's wearing it like he's twenty. You know. But uh, well, good for him. Yeah, I guess so. Maybe he's in great shape, Jason. The one thing that bothered me about the Killing Joke overall, and th- this does relate to the characters, but also other parts in just a broader sense, is it felt way too short to me. Like I oh, felt okay. like this needs to be two to three times the length. Yeah, yeah. Because with Barbara, we had like four or five panels of her talking, and we're gonna spoil this a little bit. We had four to five sure. panels yeah. of we her... Can, we can spoil it. We had four we to five panels it. of her talking before she gets chronically injured, and then she's out of the picture for the rest of the story. So, although I know... Not, not the rest of it. Mo- yeah, most of the rest of it. Yeah. Although I know her character a little bit from other films and stuff, as a standalone thing, it didn't give me any sympathy for her. Like, I'm just like, wait, who is this, you know? Well, th- this would be, you know, the the comic book universe is populated with people who are so so fervently devoted to these things like mm-hmm. i don't think when the killing joke was written anybody really assumed that somebody would just pick this up right and then just read this in isolation right so it's part of that expanded universe and that's the weird thing comic books are very fractal mm-hmm. like that everything's constantly spinning off and i understand that that's fair and that's that's my one it's honestly it's the best and worst part of comic books and any superhero thing is no matter what anybody tells you first of all if you're really into it there's like incredible depth which is so cool and there's so many rabbit holes for you to get lost in but there is a high barrier to entry to really getting into something like this and i've talked to friends of mine or read online um like caleb we did a we did an episode with him and and they're always like Oh, it's, there's no barrier to entry. It's not that hard. You yeah. just go and read these three collective works for the three different origin stories. Yeah. And then from there, there's this the, tome the, yeah. and this tome. And you're like, no, a low barrier to entry is when you can just pick up something and go. You get this like stepping stone right. approach where you have to proceed in a, in a mm-hmm. you know, 
carefully chosen way. And to be clear, it's not necessarily even a, a bad thing. It's just that if you're into it, it's great. If you're not into it, but you're kind of interested, it's hard to commit to get fully into it. That said, though, Batman and Joker are such uh, well-known characters, and everybody in this in this book, really, that anybody could pick it up and know who's who. Yeah. Now, so I know you think it was too short. Mm-hmm. What did you think of the story itself? I mean, it's it's not much of a story in as much as... We're not talking about layers and layers of uh, double crossings and subterfuge and all this sort of thing. The story is fairly straightforward, but what did you think of it? This might be a bit sacrilegious to say. I don't know. I don't know enough to know. But the way that it came across for me was it was just kind of a carrier for me to view these world-class amazing illustrations and fight sequences and stuff like that i didn't think there was really any depth to it and maybe that depth is something that you would get more so if you were more deeply familiar you know i'm not completely ignorant of superheroes but i'm not super knowledgeable either now what i did really like is that there are these flashbacks throughout the story that flashback from kind of the modern era and the adventure that's going on back to the joker's origin story and they do this in a neat way and i'm going to go back to the visuals because that's just what really drew me in where all of the flashbacks are illustrated in black and white but there's some selective coloring of red and a little bit of desaturated yellows and selective color is really trendy now but i hadn't seen it like in much media before two or three years ago yeah so i think it's very neat you know i'm looking at a scene right now that's these men gather around a table and they're eating prawns and the prawns are all in red and everything else is black and white and it's very visually striking and really uh well, there's one there's one thing that really mm-hmm. bothered me about this scene what's the sounds the sounds so they're mm-hmm. pulling the legs off of the prawns and cracking the shells and stuff and of course for whatever reason comic books feel the need to give us provide us with little sound effects mm-hmm. one two three four five six there are six there's different two more sounds, here. but there's let's just go with this page, okay? okay? There are six different sounds, little yeah. words. To how would you what what would that be? I forget what they're called. Whatever, and and all of them are different. For some reason, that just bothered me. I was like, why do they all have to? They, you, you're pulling the leg off a prawn. It wouldn't. Hey, it wouldn't make like a noise like click, you know, or clitch, or that sounds dirty, but um. <laughs> But uh, it wouldn't make a sound like that. But also, like... Onomatopoeia. Onomatopoeia, right. But, you know, it just wouldn't make six different sounds mm-hmm. pulling the legs off you. That that bothers me. And and to be honest, for me, those flashback scenes were probably the biggest drag for me about this whole thing. And that was the part I felt like was inserted more Because you kind of to... just want to see the Joker, right? Yeah. I'm like, I, I don't... Great. Okay, I know that this guy here is going to become the Joker at some point. And... Uh, I've never really cared about the Joker's origin story at all. Although I, I like the I like the the mythology surrounding the Ledger Joker mm-hmm. being that he was maybe a veteran. And the I artist like the artist for this book in that afterwards said that one of his complaints he had he was handed the script and he just yeah. had to draw it. Mm-hmm. One of his complaints was that it so explicitly spelled out an origin for the Joker because he liked 
the fact that in a lot of other Batman canon, the Joker had multiple ideas about where he came from and he didn't know. Yeah. So the fact that this spelled it out implicitly was kind of a drag to him. Explicitly? And I get that. Explicitly? Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, I get that. I want to I wanna highlight my highlight for mm-hmm. this book. I think the thing that stood out to me the most, and that's the writing, the dialogue. I think the dialogue is really, really good. I think it's very... I think it's very nicely written. It's not showy at all, but so much of comic book writing that I've read is that very pat and cliched uh, back and phrases. forth. Yeah, the, that banter, yeah. that stuff that you'd expect to hear, and it, I just find it kind of kind of cringy. And this this book has some fantastic dialogue in it from anybody's point of view I think and the last the ending conversation between Batman and Joker is actually very very It's a very good. cool ending. Like it's a very very good ending. And one thing I did really appreciate, I'm glad you brought that up, is I, I like the dialogue I'm back to this flashback where they're sitting in the restaurant eating prawns and the way they insert like this line of dialogue is so you see like if I just do this one big crime like they insert the way that people don't speak cleanly, mm-hmm. they add in these um, like, uh, you see, you know? Yeah. And and it makes it feel a lot more human, and I think it makes the pace better when you're reading it, too, than if it's just, like, zinger after zinger. It moves For too sure. quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, when things... When, when dialogue gets too snappy, mm-hmm. you just don't follow it as if it's a dialogue, right? I mean, yes. you still want it to be... Uh, kind of prosaic I guess mm-hmm. and you still want it to be quotable and cool and and regardless well written dialogue believable dialogue is never going to be written in the way that people actually speak mm-hmm. because if it was it wouldn't be good <laughs> I also know? wanted to draw to attention the way they theme these different panels with a color palette depending on the mood uh, the first time I was made aware of this, I remember, was when I was walk- watching a documentary on Peanuts, and they talked about how a lot of times the background for that is just one color, yep. and he just changes that color depending on the mood. This is not that cut and dried, but it's neat how the color palette changes a lot scene to scene depending on the vibe they're trying to evoke. See, in this color here, and this is a bit more sunsetty. the picture is uh, silhouettes on purple and peach Yep. Backdrops, and then later on, as the mood shifts, it goes blue green kind of thing. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, yes. Yeah. And I would encourage anyone who's interested in uh, photography, cinematography, or illustration to pick this up, borrow it from your library or whatever, because I think the way it's shot is neat. And I'll do you one better, I'll go one step further. I think if you're into modern superheroes and superhero movies, you should check this out, because I think a lot of the way that modern superhero movies are shot were informed by movies like or comic books like this graphic novels like yeah this. i think you're actually 100 um, percent right the style is it kind of looks like somebody watched superhero movies and then made this but of course that's the opposite of what happened yeah because this is in the 80s like yes. we didn't even have the tim burton batman movies yet no kidding so is it like george clooney probably yeah <laughs> Like, this this was in a very bad time for Batman when yeah. he probably wasn't being taken very seriously. And this, this is a fairly dark... It's a fairly dark tale, and 
and it ends on an ambiguous dark note, which I really like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the ending is masterful, to be honest. And uh, It really makes you understand, too, why the diehard comic book fans had such a respect for the Christopher Nolan Batmans, because both the tone and the aesthetic of those movies is so consistent with this. Yeah. Even the way that uh, Joker and Batman look. Is very similar to Christian Bale and Heath Ledger. Well, um, especially with Batman. Yeah, but Joker still, I would say, um, and um, then and and the way that it's shot or illustrated, respectively, is really neat. And I would say too, just the the idea of the character of Joker being a complete anarchist mm-hmm. and really only wanting to prove a point. Uh-huh. Like that's the only thing he cares about is proving. That any that he is everybody that he's anybody, and trying to prove that Batman's just as crazy as he is. Yeah, which I actually think is quite a compelling idea because yeah. it's something that I don't know. Maybe the creator had in mind when they made Batman, or it's it's been around for a long time. But most people don't think of it that way. But it's kind of right. Like when you think about all of the death and destruction that could have been prevented if he just killed Joker. Yeah, it brings up interesting questions about Batman's morality and whether. Whether or not he's just another sick and twisted mind out to try to live his would life, it, would you know? it have not been better for everybody if he just killed Joker? Yeah, you know, like why? Yeah. Why does he do things the way he does? Because it does not seem to be for the greater good. Yeah, exactly. That's all I have to say on it. Do you have closing thoughts, or is there something else you wanted to talk about? Well, I mean, it's not. It'll never be in like my top ten books of all time or something. But I think it's a really compelling, beautifully illustrated tale and. Uh, definitely worth a read like you said for any superhero fan or any really any book fan like i'd it's I'd a challenge i'd like to challenge my fellow literary fans out there branch out a little bit and read some some graphic novels world of adina we, i need to read that and then we need to talk about it yeah bone is really really fantastic bone especially is stellar. Like if you're a lord of the rings fan or something just pick bone up and and uh, you can find bone books in every single mm-hmm. used bookstore you walk in. There's nine of them in the original core series, and you can read... Is there only nine? There's only nine. There are more after, but the core series is nine books. I guarantee yeah. it. Okay. And with the exception of the last one, which is bigger, you could read one through eight in, like, two or three sittings each. Yeah. They're, and they're awesome. Yeah. yeah, they're very, very good. Really neat. We'll do an episode on that sometime. Yeah. Um... Thank you so much for listening. Mm-hmm. Have you read this graphic novel? Uh, will you read it? Do, will you definitely not read it? Anyway, if, if you have any thoughts on uh, this or anything we have said in the past even, uh, why don't you send us a message? You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. You can even Gmail us at thegoodshipbrothership at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm going upstairs to get some angry water. Yeah, me too. Can I have some of your sparkling water? Yeah, sure. I guess. Grant always has sparkling water at his house. Uh, fancy boy. Actually, Hannah got that today. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that you're not supporting Nestle. <laughs>